SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. I'm your host as always, Brian Stone. Uh, joined this week by Louisiana writer Matt Miguez for the first time in a while. Matt, say hello to everybody at home. What's going on, Sunbelt Nation? Brian, incredibly happy to be back. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's start off this episode as we always do, recapping uh, you know the previous week of Sunbelt games. Uh, your Louisiana Raging Cajuns went into Boone and defeated App State. Uh, I have a question for you once we start to kind of dive into this game that Vidal and I discussed last week. Um, but, you know, obviously uh, you guys were able to pick up the win. So talk a little bit about this game before I kind of ask my question. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to start by saying that it was probably the most bizarre football game that I have ever watched. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it seemed like every single play, you didn't know what to expect because, it, let's see, our, our long snapper threw the ball over the punter's head, what, four times, I think it was? Yeah. You know, n- next thing next thing you know, Levi was going to drop a shotgun snap or, you know, we we were our, one of our receivers was going to drop a wide open ball in the end zone. You know, it, it was just one of those games where you never know what was going to go wrong at any given time. Right. Yeah. It was a weird game when you look at the stats here. Um, you know, Levi Lewis eight of twenty three for just a hundred yards passing and a score. Uh, I knew there was some weather. Uh, up there in Boone, but uh, Zach Thomas also not a great game passing overall. Ten of twenty-one for ninety-two yards and two picks. Um, you know, I think we had talked about this. I mean, obviously the game came down to Apps kicker Chandler Staten, I believe his name was, uh, just shanking that field goal with like two seconds left um, that ended up, you know, preserving you guys's victory. Um, we had talked about this when you were on earlier. Vidal had talked about this when we, we were doing episodes earlier. Man, how how good would App State have been this year if they had an above average to good quarterback this season? Because the run game has been there. The defense is kind of, you know, I don't want to say they haven't regressed, but they kind of just picked up from where they were last year. They haven't really, you know taking the next step and being like a truly lockdown defense, but how much do you think this team's record at seven and three, as they currently sit, you know, outside of the Sunbelt title game, how much different do you think this team season is if they have a good to great quarterback on the roster? I mean, I think they're having the season that coastal Carolina's having right now. I mean, I've, I've said it for, for three years now, there's nothing special about Zach Thomas and what he does. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to disrespect App State fans, but, you know, they've they've walked around Twitter and message boards and whatever else talking about how Zach Thomas is the best thing since sliced bread. And, yeah. I mean, the, the, kid, the kid, I mean, he's decent. He's a decent college quarterback, but there's no, he has no, you know, quality that you look at and go, well, damn, this kid's special. Yeah. 
That's true. He, he, he knows how to win football games, which, I mean, you, you can't argue with that. He's 30, he's 30 and 6 in his career at App State. So yeah, he, but he, you, you do have to ask, like, how much of that is – you know they they've tried to replicate the the recipe of we run the ball we play defense and Zach Thomas just makes enough plays to help us win games. Right. You almost have to act, like I said that that's kind of why I had the question of yeah he wins football games but like he's not lighting the world on fire. I mean like I said he threw for less than a hundred yards in this game, completed less than fifty percent of his passes. Credit to you guys as defense, but I mean. Right, you know, right. it's not it's not as if like teams just cannot throw the ball. You know, it's not like Louisiana's running out like the Legion of Boom back there yeah, in their secondary. I, I mean, your your defense is good, but like less than a hundred yards passing, like in right. college football. Right. You know, the 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 thing that I've always said about Zach Thomas is that if you take away his ability to run the football, he's in trouble. Yeah. And and you you saw that Friday night. I mean, granted, sacks counted into his rushing yards, which I do not agree with at all. But at the end of the night, he ended up with eight carries for a yard. And his longest run was eight yards. So it's not right. as if he was ripping off long carries and then getting sacked and losing all those yards. I mean, right. he he could have had a couple here and there. But I mean, if your longest runs eight yards, it's not as if you're. You're not Deshaun Watson or you know right. Lamar Jackson or whatever running around out there. Yeah, I've always said if you take his ability to run the football away, he's in trouble. So the question that I had, and Vidal and I kicked this around last week, I'm going to go through all the obvious things before I ask it. Obviously, you know, you guys, I believe it was 0-8 uh, as a team yeah. against App coming into this game. You know, you want to get over that hump. You want to finish the season strong. Nine. You want to go to nine and one. You don't want to be eight and two. Or you don't want to come off a loss going into the Sun Belt title game. However, the question that Vidal and I, and I want your perspective on this, because you guys essentially had nothing to gain by winning this game. I mean, as far as you're locked into the Sun Belt berth for the title game. I, I mean, the only thing it would really affect is, like I said, the loss column, and you guys would probably drop out of the top 25. But were you at least a little concerned that you were going to go into this game and potentially you could have had someone, an impact player, a Levi Lewis, a Trey Regis, a Elijah Mitchell, get injured in this game, and you've lost them going into a game that actually matters versus this game, which is essentially, for you guys, just bragging rights at this point? Yeah, I mean that that's definitely a concern, but I think I think in the long run this game is going to benefit Louisiana because what it's done is it's opened the eyes of the playoff committee to what we're capable of. I mean, last week they put us at number 25 for the first time in school history, and that was because of our win over Iowa State and the fact that we were 8 and 1. And our only loss was to their number 18 team by a field goal. Mm -hmm. Now that we've gone in and beat, beaten a highly respectable App State team in North Carolina, we jump up six spots. I mean, if you don't play that game or, you know, you lose that game, 
A, that never happens for you because you either stay at 25 or fall out of the rankings. And then, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, and, we, you know, we'll dive into it a little deeper, I'm sure, but the Cajuns are knocking on the door of a New Year's Six possibility. I, I mean, Vidal and I talked about this, even with regards to, like, we were, like, we were just taking Louisiana out of the equation, right? So Coastal and BYU were probably were the second and third best ranked group of five schools. I think the thing you have to worry about is if Tulsa doesn't find a way, I, I believe it's Tulsa and Cincinnati play in the right. American conference title game. If Tulsa doesn't find a way to beat Cincinnati, all of this stuff is null and void for every other group of five school anyway, because I, Cincinnati, Cincinnati ranking wise got out, you know, they, they piggybacked off of what they were able to do last year. They jumped out to, I mean, a bunch of dominant wins, pretty much. I mean, I, I can't even remember like what their closest game was this year. But that's the thing is like, you guys are praying that Cincinnati has to lose big, I think, to Tulsa in their title game. Because if it's a three-point loss, let's say, to Tulsa, Tulsa's also a ranked team. They're ranked ahead of you guys. Or, you know, or were, you know, they're 24th this week. Okay, so they're ranked. Like, let's just say that. Um, I haven't checked all the updated playoff rankings from last night, but they're ranked 24th. Okay, they're ranked 24th. Let's say that Cincinnati loses by three. I mean, even if you guys beat Coastal, I think they still take Cincinnati, like, as as the group of five representative. Like, I just don't. I don't see a path for you guys outside of Cincinnati absolutely getting their doors blown off that you guys beat Coastal and then catapult into the group of five berth for the for the New York Six game. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean that that's a that that's a very fair point. But you know, my my th- my thing is is now even even saying you know take take the take the New Year's Six spot out of consideration. Throw that, throw that out the window. The Cajuns say the Cajuns go and beat Coastal Carolina and win the Sun Belt title. Mm-hmm. I think the Cajuns have a real possibility to get into a bowl game that is not a Sun Belt tie-in. It's po- I mean, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, who knows think, what the bowl situation is anyway this year? You know, I, they're I mean, they're fair, canceling fair bowls left and right. Right. Yeah, it's it, I I hate I hate that Louisiana is having arguably the best year in school history, and hardly nobody's there to see it. Yeah, uh, I mean, are are you talking about due to COVID or just well, right, the fact right. that Coastal is kind of overshadowed what Louisiana's well, done? No, I, I don't. I don't think that at all. It's just you know, in a normal year, you know, UL's nine and one and number nineteen in the country. Lafayette would be rocking, and and we have we have thirty thousand people in the stands. Yeah, but you know, because of COVID, we have six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a huge difference for sure. Uh, it is it is a shame now. I I mean obviously you guys could win the Sun Belt title against Coastal. Uh but it is a little bit of a shame that you guys have have had two really strong years the last two years and it's just been 
some other team, whether it was App or Coastal, just put together the best team in school history. You know what yep. I'm saying? Like <laughs> last year at beats two power five schools in the same season. I mean, I, they lost to Georgia Southern, but everybody kind of wrote that off as, as you know, ah, this, that's a, that's a rivalry game. You, you never know what you're going to get, but you know, they beat you guys twice. It kind of erases everything that, that you guys had done that year from like an outsider's perspective, looking at it. And then Coastal this year, I mean, what else, what else, what other praise could you give them at this point? I mean, it's kind of redundant at this point to be like, yeah, they're really good. And they beat like everybody they've played. I mean, they've beaten everybody they've played. Uh, a lot of these games this year haven't been close. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is kind of a shame for you guys that it, it couldn't have been timed worse for you guys from a national outlook. You know, I'll, I'll say this, and this is going to sound incredibly biased, but everybody knows I'm a Louisiana writer. So, yes, I have the ultimate respect for Coastal and what they've done this year. However, I strongly believe that Louisiana gave them that game the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. If, if, if they think, if their fan base thinks, they're just going to walk into their house for the conference title game and walk all over. They're dead wrong. <laughs> dead well, wrong. well, we'll see. I mean, you know, the game's coming up. Uh, it was close last time, so I don't have any reason to believe it won't be close again one way or the other. I don't, I don't think either team is head and shoulders better than the other. I mean, I think it would take a real stinker of a performance by either team for Louisiana or Coastal to win this game going away. Um, so let's move past this game. Uh, Louisiana, you know, like we said, nine and one this season, seven and one in Sunbelt play. They're going to go to the the conference title game to take on Coastal. Uh, App drops to seven and three, five and two in Sunbelt play. Uh, so yeah, we were just talking about Coastal. Let's get into their game against BYU. I mean this was the game of the year. I mean, outside of the, the Sunbelt title game, you know, this was the regular season game of the year for the Sunbelt. Uh, the biggest, I guess, win at this point uh, in Coastal Carolina program history, uh, they're able to knock off BYU 22-17. to 17. Uh, It was a real uh, chippy game, let's say, uh, between these two teams. I mean, it looked like both teams were trying to get into fights multiple times. Um, but in the end, Coastal stops BYU on the two-yard line, I believe it is, going in to score uh, to potentially win the game. So, you know, credit to Coastal Carolina. Like I said, any any praise I heap on them is essentially redundant at this point because we've said pretty much everything there is to say. Yeah, no, there's no question. Um, you know, they're, they're one of – I'd venture to say they're one of the best teams in college football right now. I mean, 10 and 0, and you you win a game against a team that before you played, oh, they're they're almost a lock for the playoff if they keep winning. You yep. know, this, that, this, that, and the other. And I mean, in my personal opinion, I think Coastal won the game bigger than what the scoreboard indicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a, a couple of couple of calls here and there, 
And, you know, one little mistake by Coastal made this game a lot closer than it, than it should have been. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I said it I said it in the preseason, and, I mean, I'll say it now, Grayson McCall's the man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 10 of, 80, 10 of uh, 15 for 85 yards passing, uh, but chipped in, you know, 68 yards rushing as well. Uh, I, I think you, you and I can both agree his his uh, leadership, I guess, would be the word, and, and just ability to keep things on an even plane uh, all this year has been more valuable than any stats that he's put on the board. And, and, and isn't it crazy that we're talking about a kid's leadership when he's a freshman? Yeah, and, and the the craziest part is this team. I, I mean, this team didn't feel last year like it was a quarterback. I mean, they were a good football team. Don't get me wrong, but this team didn't feel like a year ago that they were a quarterback away from being ten and zero. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. this team felt like they were a quarterback. And some defensive pieces and some right. pass catchers and, and all this stuff away from being 10 and 0. Like they didn't feel like they were, oh, you throw a quarterback, you know, it's not app like this year where you're like, oh, you put Levi Lewis or Grayson McCall on app, they're they're running the table. You know, it, yeah. easy. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, credit to all the credit in the world to Coastal, uh, especially you know I'll say you know hand hand up I was wrong on this one. I definitely thought BYU was going to win this game, um, and you know Zach Wilson. You know people are talking about him as a as a first round pick in next year's NFL draft uh, with the way that quarterbacks are valued in the NFL. So, I mean, you know, great win for Coastal, great win for their program. Um, you know, it, you know, like I said, for, for you guys, it's a shame that Coastal decided to put it all together this season and, right. and make it. But f- at this, as we stand right now, it's it's a shame that Coastal put it all together the same year that Cincinnati is a dominant group of five team that right. got a higher preseason ranking and now has just been riding that all year. So, you see, and, and, you know, here here's the thing. If this season doesn't show the committee that the playoff needs to expand. Yeah. I mean, you have three, really you have four group of five teams that really, in in my opinion, deserve a spot in the playoffs. Well, I, I, I have, I've seen this on Twitter following uh, Coastal's win. There are a lot of fans of Power 5 schools who have said, we don't need to give Group of 5 schools a, a spot in our playoff. They need to have their own playoff and crown their own champion. Now, whether you think that's right or not, that's just what I've seen from fans of schools like Alabama and stuff. They're, they're like, we don't want to put a Cincinnati in there yeah, and well, they that's show up and get crushed, and then it's like, well, what was the purpose of that? Like, well, that, the that's just that's just e- that's just egotistical. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm not. I don't agree with it. I just I, that's the argument that I've seen people make online. And you know, here here's an interesting stat. While we're talking about the Coastal BYU game, it was the most viewed game on ESPNU since 2015, and the fifth most viewed ESPNU broadcast of all time. 
I mean, I believe that the 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 prime games all don't ever get shifted down to ESPNU. Like because this game was scheduled at the last moment, and like I I said this last week, it's it's become even more of a success for Coastal because if they if Liberty doesn't have COVID issues, they probably roll over Liberty, and no one is really talking about that because Liberty lost to NC State. Their quarterback was the first one to come down with COVID, from what I've heard. So the, you were you would have essentially beat a group of five school that had already dropped out of the top twenty-five without their starting quarterback. Do you think anybody cares? I mean, by and large, in the media uh, around the you know country, that Coastal beats an unranked Liberty team? Probably not. Like you might get a little hint here and there that it happened, but this was all over Sports Center Sunday morning. So. I mean, yeah, it, everything broke right for Coastal this year in a crazy year with COVID and scheduling issues and everything else. So far, Sunbelt title game withstanding, everything has broken their way this year. And, it's you know, the, 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 the thing is, is Liberty has been such a surprise this year. Because, you know, last year, Louisiana played Liberty. They, they came to Lafayette. And, you know, they look, they were good. But you you could you could tell that there was there was definitely a talent gap. Well, you know? for Georgia Southern played them in the Cure Bowl too. I think what the difference is is kind of the same thing that happened to Coastal. They replaced their quarterback from last year. Their right. quarterback now is way more explosive than that guy was last year. The the guy right. last year not all that athletic. I don't know his name. I'm not really going to look it up because I just don't Calvert. care enough. But, okay, so he was not all that athletic. And he wasn't really blowing you away as a passer. So right. if they don't have last year, they don't have Antonio Gandy Golden. I mean, I don't, no, I don't think I, anybody I agree. cares. Agreed. Yeah, and yeah, it's I not, mean, and it's not the Hugh Freeze show where he's coaching from a hospital bed in the press box. Like, I don't think anybody cares uh, about that team last year. I mean, right. nobody yeah, would I have mean, talked about them. They they came to Lafayette, and I mean, we beat them thirty-five to fourteen. Yeah. And I mean, so, Georgia I mean, Southern lost to them, but I was like, this team isn't one that someone should be talking about with the Memphises, you know, last right. year of the world. Like, this is an okay group of five school. It's cool that they're independent and can kind of schedule whoever they want, but they're more of a sideshow at this point with Hugh Freeze doing Hugh Freeze stuff than they are right. a, a Memphis, like, in contention to play in on a New York Six game. Right. And then this year, out of nowhere, I mean, they're. Are are they are they still are they nine and one? Yeah, I believe they're nine and one. It hurts that their only loss is to an average NC State team, right. um, because now nobody's going to talk about them no they matter what less. they do. Yep. Yeah. No. They there's too less. many. They, there's too many good group of five teams this year out there that you could talk about that no one's going right. to waste their breath talking about. Uh, a Liberty team that lost to, I believe it's a five and six, six and six or something like that. NC state school. Like right. nobody cares. Um, but anyway, getting back to this game, uh, coastal moves to 10 and O stays perfect on the year six and O at home this season. Uh, BYU is an independent drops to nine and one, uh, three and one as a road team. Uh, I mean, their hopes of being talked about in a new year, six game are pretty much done with this loss as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Zach Wilson's been really good this year, and and we'll see what he's able to do in the pros. He's he's a, he's, he's a top five quarterback in this year's draft, no question about it. 
Yeah, and it, it's a strong quarterback class uh, with yeah. guys like you know Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, and obviously, obviously Lance Lawrence Fields. I mean, all yeah. those guys. So it, it's good that he worked his way into the first round of the draft just by virtue of how he's played. Yeah. Um, so getting into the next game. Uh, I didn't see this coming. I, I believe Vidal didn't see this coming either. Troy absolutely blanked South Alabama 29 to nothing. Uh, South Alabama announced after this game that they fired Steve Campbell, their head coach. Um, so they will be looking for a new head coach beginning next year. I believe that as a coaching job, this is a pretty good program to pick up uh, just because they've been on an upswing you know, versus the last couple years. I think you walk into a situation where you have – a quarterback that you can kind of work with in Desmond Trotter, who's still fairly young. Um, but yeah, I mean, Troy got up for this game weirdly after I believe it was dropping their last four in a row. So we, Troy's just been a weird team all season. Yeah. Yeah. Tr- Troy, they, they've never really seemed to, to figure it out. Um, but I mean, they, they look good against South Alabama, but like you said, you know, and with, with South Alabama's coaching search coming up, you know, you, you've got you've got players that you can build around. You've got a facility that is that is state of the art. Um, it, it's an area that it's probably not that hard to get kids to go to. I mean, yeah. you're, you're you're an hour from the beach. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. I mean, South Alabama is a is a good program for an up and coming assistant that some people believe. You know, he might have what it takes to be a head coach. And yeah, I mean, for sure. You can do with it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, you get Desmond Trotter uh, back, who I believe is only a sophomore this year. Um, So you get him for another couple years. Uh, Like I said, some good pass catchers on this team. Uh, Gunnar Watson absolutely shredded the Jaguars through the air in this one. Uh, 297 yards, three touchdowns. Kind of spread the ball around to a bunch of different guys. I mean, this has kind of been the case all season with Troy. If you get them at their best, they're a good team, but you just never know. You know, they've gone through two quarterbacks and Watson, and I think Jacob Free was the other one. They, You never know what you were getting from either one of these guys, and that's why they're sitting at 500 this year. Yeah. Um, definitely, Chip Lindsay's got some pieces missing. Um because you know Troy, they're they're always they're always a respectable program in the Sun Belt, but it seems like every single year they're just a piece or two away from figuring it out. Yeah, ever since Neil Brown moved on and went to West Virginia, they haven't seemed to be able to put it all together. And even when they were he was there, they they seemed like the team that was always on the outside looking in on. The, the Arkansas states and Louisiana's and the app states of the world. So, I mean, it, it's, 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 a, they're a weird team, man. Like I, I, I watched them play Georgia Southern earlier this year and I thought that we were in for a battle and then their quarterback couldn't hit the broadside of a barn um, in that game. So it was really weird. Uh, they've been a weird team all year though. Like I said, so, um, but Troy with the uh, win uh, gets to five and five, back to uh 500 on the season three and three in sunbelt play south alabama drops to four and seven including three and five in conference play 
Uh, so we're going to talk about right now uh, the Please poor, no. poor no. UL Monroe <laughs> Warhawks. Uh, 0-10 with this loss, blowout loss to Arkansas State. Uh, I had kind of circled this game as honestly their most winnable game remaining on their schedule a couple weeks ago just because Arkansas State was all over the place. And, um, you know, one week they'd show up and the next week they'd give up 50 to some random team and you just had no clue what what you were getting. Uh, But Lane Hatcher, they finally let Lane Hatcher cook, Matt. They finally let him cook. 11 of 14, 326, five touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Logan Bonner had more attempts, but he was least less efficient. So for some reason, they decided, hey, Lane, today you're just going to throw the ball down the field well, and you see how it turned out. Well, you saw what happened. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if it was before the game or immediately after. Bonner's transferring. That's super weird because he seemed like the guy that shouldn't be in the rotation to play yeah, quarterback for this team. Bonner's, Bonner's, Bonner's transferring. Yeah, that's really strange. Um, so, I mean, it's it Hatcher's job now. And uh, good, good of him to wait until what their second, the last. Uh, well, right. game of the season the end of the year. Right. That. Uh, so he could play half of all of their games and then go all right guys this this defense is kind of a mess i'm out of here see you later right nice of him to do that yeah. um but lane hatcher like i said torched him through the air a large part of that was Corey rucker nine catches yeah, 310 a, four touchdowns what a stud and I they mean, seem to just keep finding these guys weirdly enough Right. What what is what is up with Arkansas State and just getting amazing receivers? I mean, I think anytime you're a Troy or an Arkansas State and guys know that you're just willing to sling the ball on every down, I mean, what what's to stop yeah, you from getting then, a Jonathan Jonathan and then, Adams Jr. And then, and then and then you get to wear clean uniforms, and I mean, I guess. Yeah, I just I feel like jo- there's just nothing to do with Jonesboro, Arkansas. Well, that may be true, but as far as uh, you know, playing football goes, I mean, if you want to put up stats and you know get a shot at the NFL, I mean, if you're a receiver or even a running back that can catch the ball well, why wouldn't you right. put Arkansas State on your list? I mean. You can convert to receiver or do whatever, but I mean, they they just produce these guys like nonstop. I mean, you know, years past, guys like Kirk Merritt and um, I can't remember their other big body receiver they used to have. Omar Bayless. Omar Bayless is another guy. Jonathan Adams, now Corey Rucker. I mean, it's like going to a Big Twelve school um, as a receiver. Like you know, you're going to get the ball at some point because. I mean, they just cycle through guys like left and right. Um, Not a lot, uh, as usual, to say about UL Monroe in this one. Um, Okay, I've said it. I'm I'm really – you know that it's bad when your coach, who is a great coach, think what you want. Matt Viatar is an amazing football coach. When your coach walks off the field on a Saturday and says, uh, I'd rather retire than coach here. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's true. Uh, they, have no, they have no budget. 
the university administration does not it, it appears that they do not do anything to support the athletic department no former players or fan base to really speak of i mean outside of outside of Doug Peterson yeah i mean they they, they have I, I hate to say it like this UL Monroe has nothing going for them in Division One, nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I will say this though. You know, obviously, you lose Caleb Evans from last year, their quarterback, and you end up having to turn the ball over to this Jeremy Hunt guy. Um, how much of this? I, I mean, I know, I know what you think of Vietor as a as a coach, but how much of this is on him, like his just inability to kind of, I mean, to to win one game. I mean, how much of that do you believe is on him versus – you went over the administration stuff, but how much of that – I mean, you can't win one game. Like, come on. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree. Winning, winning one game doesn't seem so difficult. But, again, like, like I said, when, when you don't have the financial support as a, as a head coach, if you don't have the financial support from the university – that you need to successfully run a football program. Yeah, I mean, I I get how that could be. I get how that could be an issue, but I mean, he's the one who put Jeremy Hunt out there. You know what I mean? Like they they didn't force the the AD didn't go to him and, and put a, you know, gun to his head and say, listen, you better play this guy or you're out. So like, it was his job to True. replace Caleb Evans, so he's not completely uh, off no, the hook, even he, even with the resources. He's he, he's not off the hook. I I one hundred percent agree with you, but again, I just I, I can't imagine what it's like to try and field a football team when, I mean, so j- just just for comparison. Um, you know, there's two Sunbelt schools in Louisiana, UL Monroe, and then Lafayette. Right. ULM's athletic budget last season was $15 million. Mm -hmm. Louisiana's was 34. So I have a suggestion uh, for something UL Monroe could do, and I think it would help them out a lot. Um, This is kind of what Georgia Southern did when they restarted their football program in 1980. What I would recommend is uh, there is a good FCS head coach by the name of Brian Bohannon, uh, who coaches Kennesaw State. They run the uh, Flexbone triple option from under center. I think if you know you can't get the athletes uh, to compete with a lot of these other schools, like an Arkansas State and an app, I think you just go run the Flexbone, man. Like, And just hope that a lot of these other teams, like, you know, they see Georgia Southern like once a year. But outside of that, how often do they play option, like true triple option schools? I think that's the way that you combat, like not being able to compete in recruiting, not having the resources, like all of that is like, you know, you could offset that with the right offense, I think. Right. I think what would work out even better for them is to just go to FCS well, I mean, Where... putting that putting that aside, like if if that wasn't if they're just not going to do that for whatever well, reason, right? Yeah, one hundred percent agree. But if you then go I to think a you, yeah, I think you just run a unique offense that a lot of teams in the conference wouldn't see. 
Like, I think right. that's the recipe. That's what you have to do if you just don't have, you don't have the resources, either yeah. recruiting or money wise, or, you know, the administration doesn't care enough that you don't have any donors or right. alumni, then that's, that's, that's what you could do. Um, my, so, oh, go ahead. My, my thing is, is like, like I said, if, if they drop to FBS, F, FCS and, you know, they go to a conference like the South one with McNeese and Southeastern and Nichols and, uh, Stephen F. Austin, schools like that. You know, you're you're going up against good competition that have similar resources as you. Yeah. You know, your athletic budget's about the same. Your facilities are about the same. You know, someone UL Monroe could actually compete and win championships. Mm-hmm. But they, yeah. as as long as they stay in the Sun Belt and try to compete in Division One, they're going to be bottom dwellers. Yeah. I mean, they, they it, like I said, unless they try to do something completely different that other teams haven't seen, I, I, I pretty much agree. Like, they're not going to be able to run a spread and do the same stuff that every other team in the Sun Belt is doing at this point. Um, right. So, with the loss, UL Monroe, like I said, drops to 0-10. Uh, this season, 0-7 in conference play. Arkansas State moves to 4-7 and 2-6 and in Sun Belt play. Uh, getting into what was the final game of the night, at least per... ESPN.com scoreboard. Uh, Georgia Southern was able to defeat Florida Atlantic by a 20 to 3 margin. Uh, you know, Shy Wirtz wasn't able to play in this one due to a shoulder injury. Um, I will say the Florida Atlantic's offense was really bad in this one, like especially Javion Posey looked lost a couple times out there uh, for them. But I think Georgia Southern's defense, you know, forced four turnovers. They looked pretty good in this one. Yeah, uh, Burger, I mean Georgia Southern. You know, I was I was interested to see this game because you know Florida Atlantic has had so much success over the last couple of years. You know, especially when Lane Kiffin was was their was their head coach, and but you know now he's at he's at Ole Miss. But you know, I, I thought all year long Georgia Southern had something to bring to the table. And and I, I think I think it finally came full circle for them in this game. Well, you, However, you know what they had to do, right? B- before this I, could happen. Yeah, you're, you're thrilled. You're thrilled. Yeah, absolutely. Why why wouldn't I be? I mean, you know, this was uh, our our interim offensive coordinator Doug Ruse uh, took over after uh, DeBest was fired, but he was the offensive coordinator under Willie Fritz in uh, 2014 and 2015. I mean. At the very least, they didn't look like they had scored 20 points and were just fine, like letting the defense do all the work after that point, which is kind of the complaint that I had. They would score in the first half, and then the second half, they would take their foot off the gas and hand the ball essentially to the defense a bunch of times and go, okay, when is this football game? And you can't do that. Yeah, no. um, There was definitely an issue with with Bob DeBess and – I'm just glad that uh, Lunsford finally figured it out. Yeah, it's tough, too, because it's almost like you can look at it in two different ways. Obviously, he had to go, but you can look at it from two different perspectives. Either you look at it as, you know, when a coordinator, you're as a head coach, a coordinator gets put on the chopping block. Your time, I mean, to win, your clock starts ticking because 
you can only can so many coordinators before everyone's going to look at you and go, well, I mean, you're the common denominator here. Right. You know, you've been here through, like, let's say he fires the defensive coordinator hypothetically too. I'm not saying they should do that, but you, you can two coordinators or one coordinator. You only have so long. <laughs> you you got to nail the next hire, like, or something right. like something's got to give. So, I, I think you can look at it from two different ways. Either one, he waited way too long. The writing was was on the board last year. This offense regressed a lot from where they were in 2018 and had regressed every year under DeBess. Or number two, he was a guy struggling as, as a first-time head coach with hi- firing his first coordinator and knowing that, like I said, that clock starts ticking as soon as you fire that first guy. Yeah. It. Again, like I said, I'm just I'm glad for Georgia Southern's sake that the best was able to figure it out because Statesboro might have revolted. <laughs> well, I, I you 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 essentially had two different trains of thought uh, among fans. One was he won ten games in 2018, so he should get a longer leash than a guy who had you know gone seven and six last year. However, I mean, like I said, you kind of have to take it as a ding on him that it took him this long to go, hey, the offense is getting worse every year. Right. You know, it took three years to finally acknowledge. I mean, I posted the stats on Twitter like they've they've scored less points every single year. Like 2018, I think they averaged like 30 points per game. This year, they're averaging like just over 26 I think yeah. so every year they've gotten worse offensively. And and like I said, they, they really took their foot off the gas, like in games against Georgia state and army where they had leads. And then they just kind of were like, eh, offense is like, eh, it's not really our responsibility anymore. Right. Um, so, so really the only games they were winning is when either they had scored enough points to where the other team couldn't finally catch up or their defense just shows up and locks a team down like they did with Troy. So you know, that's kind of how it is. But like I said, Javion Posey, uh, whether you want to say it was him or the defense or whatever, guy just looked absolutely lost in this one. Like, and eventually um, Willie Taggart made a move, put Nick Tronti in. He looked better, but it was too little too late. I mean, they were down 17 points and didn't, I think they entered the red zone twice in this game um, and came yeah. away with three points combined on two trips. So... Uh-oh. And, and another thing, uh, you know, that I wrote in my recap of, of this game, they got into the red zone for the first time, I believe it was, in the third quarter, late in the third quarter. And I I think it was from the nine-yard line, they opted to kick a field goal down 10 to nothing. That was essentially the death sentence for this for this team in this game. Yeah. But, because they would, they would move the ball all the way down to about our 30, and then they just couldn't move it anymore. So... I mean, going for the field goal there eventually cost him. I mean, you could have made it a three-point game had you scored a touchdown there, and instead you, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a seven-point game. You haven't been able to move the ball, and that's essentially what happened. Yeah, I mean, any any time that you get to the point where, like you said, they got to about the thirty, and then the offense just staggered out. I mean, yeah, you, you're never going to win football games by opting to kick a field goal over going for a touchdown when it's a, you know, a, what was it? A, you, you said it was a seven point ball game. 
it was they were they were down ten to nothing with two minutes left in the third quarter. So I believe that was their first red zone trip. Okay, so you you could have made it a three point ball game, right? Right. And instead, yeah. you opted for the field goal, and then you didn't score any points the rest of the game. Yeah, that's. <laughs> and and I I think that's I the difference. That. That's a difference in the mindset from a Lane Kiffin to a Willie Taggart. Is they really seem like they were playing not to lose instead of trying to actually go out and win this you know, game. Because, right. Yeah, they weren't as aggressive as they had to be to win this game. Like, right. you know, like I said, you lose the turnover battle four to zero to Georgia Southern, who is more than happy to take the ball from you and run the ball and kill thirty six, almost thirty seven minutes of clock. So. Yeah. Yeah, they're more like I said. Georgia Southern was more than happy to grind out a win in this one, especially after dropping their last two in a row. Uh, so Georgia Southern moves to seven and four uh, this season. Florida Atlantic drops to five and two. Uh, we have an extremely short slate of games uh, going into this weekend. Uh, just it's three games. Yeah, I, uh, three games in total. Uh, Coastal Carolina start off at three o'clock. Uh, taking on Troy, um, kind of the, yeah, I mean, kind of the opposite of what I said about Louisiana last week. You know, they're in contention to, you know, pounce essentially if uh, Cincinnati screws up at any point. So they're going to go all out for the the remainder of the season. Obviously, in the Sun Belt title game, I mean, that goes without saying. But they're they're probably going to beat Troy like a drum uh, just to continue to make their case. Uh, I don't really know what Troy has for them in this game, so I have to take Coastal. Yeah, I, I mean, un- unless Troy just because you know, I, I, this is the ultimate definition of a trap game. Yeah, um, you know, this is a game that nobody expects Troy to win. You know, Coastal, Coastal. You know, when Louisiana beat Iowa State at the beginning of the year, you saw the next two games when we played Georgia State and Georgia Southern. You saw what's called the emotional letdown. Yeah, I think Coastal's going to experience it this Saturday. Granted, I don't. I don't think yeah. it causes them. I don't think it causes them to lose a game. But, but you think it's going to be close? You're, you're, you're not going to see a typical Coastal Carolina performance. And then okay. I think. I, I think also it being at Troy. Yeah, this is this is going to be. Is, it, things could get interesting Saturday afternoon. So I also I agree with the Troy thing, but I do think that the time slot also may play into it a little bit because you're coming off of a big primetime game at your house over another ranked group of five school. And now you're slotting it at a three o'clock kick for a game against a 500 football team. And you have to win. Yeah. And you have to win and you have to be impressive because you you can't lose. Yeah, any little margin that people are going to give Cincinnati over you, I think you you can't you just can't give any doubt to right. to people that are doubting you. So, I mean, I think Coastal rolls in this one. I think they're talented enough to just kind of do whatever they want, and their defense is very good. And Troy has shown if you if they face a solid defense, they don't really have a plan B outside of just keep chucking it and right. hoping that it works for the best. So. Uh, I think Coastal's going to smother them and just control the clock in this one, to be totally honest. Um, But another 3 o'clock kick, uh, Arkansas State welcomes Incarnate Word, uh, the FCS school, uh, to Jonesboro. Uh, Who hasn't played a game all season. Right. 
Uh, no betting action on this game. Lane Hatcher, you know, like you said, is going to start. Uh, I think they're just going to chuck the ball over the field. I think it's going to be a huge win for Arkansas State. And he throws for 500 yards and six touchdowns before it's all said and done. Probably. I mean, probably, yeah. Why, 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 if, if you're Blake Anderson, I mean, I, I understand the respect for the opposing team, but why sit him? No, there's no reason you, to sit him. You have nothing to play for. No. And I believe this like, is their why, last why, game of the season, no? Why, why let him play for the first half and then bench him? Like, no, let, let the kids this play is their, his stat sheet. This is their last game of the season, and under normal year rules, they wouldn't be eligible for a bowl game. I don't know what's going to happen with bowl games this year, but yeah, I totally yeah. agree. I mean, it, um, just kinda end up, it ends up depending on how many bowls are actually going to happen. Right. So, uh, not, I mean, not a lot to talk about in this game, to be totally honest. Right. Um, yeah. So moving on six o'clock, uh, a deep, a feeling deeper than hate, I believe is the name of the rivalry. If we had to have a name for one, uh, Georgia Southern welcomes app state to Statesboro. Uh, Georgia Southern has lost, I believe the previous three meetings in a row. Uh, I can double check that, but uh, currently on a streak against App State. Um, to me, as a Georgia Southern fan, this game totally comes down to whether Shywerts is healthy enough to play or not. Um, because Justin Tomlin has been okay; he was okay last week. But I think you, I think against App's defense, you have to be your absolute best. And I just, I, I don't see it. You know what I mean? So I've got I've got I've got four letters for you. Okay. Get after that ass. <laughs> well, the I mean That's you know, it, man. That's it. You think you think Georgia Southern wins this one? Do I think? No. Do yeah. I do I do I desperately want you guys to so that App State can just cry a little bit more? Yes. I mean, I I hope that as well. Uh, I think with everything that's happened with our football program this this year, and it's been a lot, uh, and the fact that this is a reschedule from uh, earlier in the season, to me, at the very least, I'm not speaking for all of Georgia Southern fans, this game, I am exhausted by this Georgia Southern season. Like, I'm yeah. kind of just ready for it to be done one way or the other. Like, you know... I'll say I'll say this: playing in Statesboro, if you can get a healthy Shywerts, yeah. I think I think this game plays into Georgia Southern's favor. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I said I, I think the game totally comes down to whether his shoulder is good enough to go or not. Um, you know, Georgia Southern six and zero at home this the, year. So, what's the latest news on him? You know, I haven't seen uh, really an update on him, although. You know, he was like iffy going into last week at Florida Atlantic, but I guess that the way that they looked at that was it's an out of conference game, so if we lose, who cares? But, um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know whether he's good. I think it's good. I think it's like a pain management thing. I think it just matters. I, I don't think it's like he literally can't play. I think it's like if he feels like he can go, then he will. But if yeah. not, like. He, it, I don't think I don't think there's like serious structural damage because it sounded as if he could have played last week if he absolutely felt like it was necessary. But again, it was a, it was a, at a conference game. Like, 
sorry who cares like right right if they lose whatever i mean what's the difference between six and five versus seven and four when you're not really in contention for anything to close the year but uh i mean if he if he feels like he can go he will absolutely play um and i think that's the determining factor as to whether they're able to beat app or not because georgia southern has shown one thing this year and it's that they can stop the run and if Zach Thomas isn't good enough to beat us himself, I mean, right. if if Shy plays, like I just I think we do win this game, but it all comes down to that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, tentatively, I will say if as of today, I haven't heard anything about him playing or not. So if Tomlin plays, I think App wins. So um, the latest, the latest that I'm seeing on Twitter, there was an article written yesterday. And there's a quote from Lunsford that says, if I was a betting man right now, we will look exactly the way we did last week. Then that's a that's a loss to App because Tomlin is all over the place. Like you from play to play, you have no idea what to expect from him. He could right. make an absolutely ridiculous positive play or he could pitch it to just nobody like it, I'm, I'm dead serious about that. Like. At one point on Saturday, he pitched the ball on a on a on a uh, what do you call it speed option, and there was yeah. just like there, there was nobody there. I mean, the the trail man was behind him, not beside him. So he just pitched the ball to the sideline. So I, I don't know. I mean, if Tomlin plays, I just don't I don't see a way that they beat App this year. So I mean, it is what it is. Like I said, I'm just kind of exhausted by how this season's gone. Um, Lost a lot of players to injury and getting arrested. Fired a coach. Uh, kind of looked like crap in winnable games. So I'm just well, I'm kind of well, ready for the, for them to just retool next year and just just go ne- just go to next year. Just move you, move you, along. You ready? You ready for the latest reality series on MTV? What? The Real World, Statesboro. Yikes! Because that would be. That would I mean, be a tough look for us. Exactly what you just said. I mean, that's a reality show, man. It's it's definitely a two a days ish right. show. Um, there, yeah. There's just so much. There was so much drama this year. Like, like, like I said, I kind of list. I I could take an entire podcast and just list out from the top of the season everything that's happened. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm 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 honestly exhausted just talking about this team. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, Matt, give us, you know, your overall thoughts, I guess, on this small, small slate of games this weekend, three games, and uh, tell the folks where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, uh, I mean, like you said, Coastal Troy, I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people predict. Um, Arkansas State's going to rip apart Incarnate Word. Yep. And... I mean, like like you said, I agree with you. I think the Georgia Southern app game is going to come down to who's QB1 for the Eagles. Yeah, and tell the folks where they can find you on Twitter. On Twitter, at MiguezMatt. I I totally agree, um, not to just repeat points that we had previously made, but like I said, I mean, shy or no shy is essentially the determining factor um, because – they either either they're gonna have to roll him out there despite his shoulder injury, or they're gonna have to be way more creative offensively right. than they were against Florida Atlantic because what they did Saturday would not cut it 
against App State. Yeah. Uh, as always, folks, you can find me on Twitter at WatchTheStone. Um, I believe the format that we're going with is we'll be back next week uh, and do a recap of these three games and then kind of see where we're at with the Sunbelt title game and then talk about uh, the potential, you know, G5. Uh, let's get into, like, the bowl games that we can talk about or, or, you know, just whatever we can kick around any news we'll have at that point. But join us next time for another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Podcast.